Today's episode of the Magic Hour is brought to you by Robinhood. With Robinhood, you can invest in stocks, options, and ETFs right from your phone. You can even spend and earn interest on uninvested cash. And with fractional shares, you can buy stocks in any amount, including companies like Apple, Amazon, and Tesla, for as little as $1. And that's with no commission fees or account minimums. So whether you're new to investing or ready to learn, or just looking for a better experience, stop waiting and join the 10 million Robinhood users. And listeners can get started with a free stock by going to theforumclub.robinhood.com. That's theforumclub.robinhood.com. All investments involve risk. This is not investment advice, a recommendation or solicitation of any security. Other fees may apply. Visit rbnhd.co backslash fees. The free stock program is subject to certain limitations. Annual percentage yield APY on uninvested cash is paid by program banks and is variable. Robinhood Financial is not a bank. Welcome to the newest episode of the Magic Hour. Uh, I would like to pat myself on the back. That was a super clean read of some very detailed financial information, Andy. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky. Uh, here we are at the, the uh, what is it, the, the Athletic? The Athletic, yes, bro. No, but like the Athletic Podcast Network, the Forum Club, the, Forum the show Club. is the Magic Hour. Yes. There's just a lot to cover. Sure. Um, I would write it down the first time. Uh, Might help you. No, it's all up here. I'm mm-hmm. pointing to my head. Clearly. They, they can't see that. Yeah. But I'm pointing to my head. Um, please subscribe. Please uh, rate and review our show. We're excited to come to you. It's uh, Tuesday after the Martin Luther King Jr. holiday. The 21st, the 21st of, January. of January. And the Lakers have played two very interesting uh, games on this five-game road trip. We'll, of course, break those down for you. Um, get into what the uh, the Boston loss kind of says about this team and the roster composition. Uh, people are starting to get a little upset, Andy. The Lakers are not beating the elitiest of the elite teams, 0-5 against uh, some of the best teams in the league. Also, some interesting stuff about LeBron and uh, the schedule he kept in getting to the game on in Boston on Monday. So a lot to cover today, but let's start with the beginning of the road trip, Andy. I'm not sure you could find two games with like a bigger contrast than the two that the Lakers played. Um in Houston on Saturday to start the trip, and then on Monday in Boston in the second game. Yeah, I mean, in Houston, you end up, Brian, breaking this game wide open in the third quarter against the Rockets, and you've got these exciting elements of it. Uh, They're doing this without Anthony Davis. In the second half, you've got Kyle Kuzma, of all people, checking Russell Westbrook, checking James Harden, Doing a credible job. The defense of just guys. in that in that third quarter was yeah, yeah. was suffocating. JaVale McGee was in the middle of everything. He did a great job protecting the rim. He had, he had a, a blocked shot in space that was absolutely spectacular. And then you go to Boston, and outside of the opening, maybe two to three minutes of the game, Lakers where, started up eight nothing. Yeah, that was as good as it got. Mm-hmm. And from there. Their execution on both ends of the ball, both sides of the ball was really bad. Their energy was really low. They seemed disengaged throughout. And it's the it's really the first time this season that we've seen them fall behind 
and not just come from behind and win, because that's not going to happen every single time, but not really put up any type of fight. Well, I, and this is, this is we'll get into this a little bit. Like, they just did not seem they, they into were, this game from, I wouldn't say the opening jump, because like you said, they got off to an 8 0 start. Right. And it, it but, was, I, I was watching it again this morning. I was watching the replay again this morning. It was a four point game halfway through the second quarter. Right. I'm but not it, saying they were, again, not saying they were playing well. But I'm they, they did a, not was feel terribly game, engaged in this just, game in were, a way that's rare for this team. Even in the first quarter, when the score was tight, I mean, there was a lot of shot making going on. It was, it was an exciting first quarter. The Lakers, they finished the first quarter down by three against Boston and, were you know they 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 shot in that quarter fifty four percent. Boston shot forty one percent. The reason the Celtics were in it, and this gets to a, a weakness that has been exploited a couple times in games. Of the Lakers I know, lose. I know, I know. Andy turnovers. No, well they did turn the ball over. Right, a lot, but that's though. defensive rebound. Okay, uh, Celtics had seven offensive rebounds in the first quarter. Yes, they did. And you go back to the da- remember the Dallas game they lost the, that that broke the the ten game streak. Whatever got crushed on the boards, and we spent like oh my god. What are they going to do now going to Denver? What are they going to do against Utah? Yeah. And they, they did very well in, in those rebounding battles. Like those kinds of things, like they were beaten to a lot of those places. Boston was clearly the more active team. I always hesitate because we might, we might as well just sort of get into this because, you know, you can go through a lot of the numbers. You know, Boston shot 56% from the floor in that game. They shot 47% from three-point range. Um, you know, they would have won by more. They missed 10 of 29 free throws. They didn't shoot the ball well from the free throw line. Like the game wasn't even as close as the final score was. And the final score had Boston winning by 22, 32. Uh, 32. I'm sorry. I was told there would be no math. You know, it sparked this debate a little bit of what you were talking about. Like what happens when the Lakers quote unquote, get punched in the mouth because Boston came out and like, especially in that second half and just rolled them. And when you say things like, you know, like, and I know what you mean, but like they didn't put up much fight. I always wonder, like I go back and forth, like I, I know what people mean and I know what people mean when they talk about being punched in the mouth. Not putting up a fight means to me means like, eh, whatever. I, I, when I watched the game again this morning, it didn't seem to me like they weren't trying. It seemed to me like they weren't, they, they were sort of stuck in mud. Collective energy was down, which happens. And they were just bad. Like the, you know, missing a lot of shots, turnovers, all these things just suck the wind out of it. So I, I, I will, I, the only thing a part of that I would push back against was just the characterization that they just sort of threw up their hands and gave up. I, I didn't say that I'm they, not say, I, no, 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 but, 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 I, clari- but I want to clarify that right. though. I'm not saying they gave up, but it did feel though in this game, like, for, and this is really rare for this team. They didn't seem that engaged, like by the standards, because they they they've played because they all- didn't they weren't able to create that like in the Milwaukee game they fall down by a lot. A lot of veteran teams in that situation just go, yeah, you know, okay, we're gonna lose this one, save the energy, roll it up for the next time. But but, this but they is came te- back in that right, game. and this is a team that a lot of people expected would pace themselves throughout the season beyond just the need to gel because they had so many new parts and they they needed to get everybody you know to a place where you're executing well. But as far as the wins and losses, you know, the, I, I think in the, in the preview that, or uh, the predictions that we did uh, heading into the season, I may have had the Lakers at like a four seed just because I didn't think they were going to be that concerned about getting wins in the regular season. Clearly, I was wrong about that. I mean, they, they have been 
exceptionally engaged throughout this season in terms of the idea of we want to Absolutely. win every single game in front of us. This was one of the, the rare times where it wasn't just that they couldn't figure out a way to take that momentum back against Boston. They, in terms of just body language, in terms of the way they were focusing their energy, it just didn't seem to me like they were that into it. I, I, and and it's, it's it's it right we're all it we're all sort of, right it happens and we're all just you know and a lot of this is you know we don't travel with the team we weren't in the locker room afterwards or whatever like well, a lot of this is armchair psychiatry being a body right, language literally expert, three thousand you know four thousand yeah. miles away I I think sometimes and LeBron said this afterwards sometimes you just get your ass kicked and I think what's what's interesting about this question of how the Lakers respond when a team comes because Boston played great and they made the, the shot making for Boston was fantastic. Um, the aggressiveness they were, they deserved every part of that blowout. What, what I think is interesting about that question though, how do the Lakers respond when they get quote unquote punched in the mouth? Can I just say really quickly, by the way, because I, a I hate that expression. Yeah, it's it's such a like it's, it's such it's sports radio trite. Right. I mean, well, let's not leave out the people in sports television. They throw it around too. Unless like your jaw gets broken, like on the punch, getting punched in the mouth doesn't hurt that bad. It like, sucks. It, getting but, I mean, punched but in the nose hurts. But more. it's I'm just saying, like either one of those, it's not that bad. I mean, you've been punched. no punched in the nose, like I. I mean, I, not punched in the, but like I play playing rugby and stuff. Right. Like you get smashed in the face. They, they lit in, in, in Australia when you have that broken nose, you know what they would call that injury? Smashed face. <laughs> like that's what that injury here domestically. Oh, he broke his nose oh, over there. It's like, we got a smashed face. Sure. And I think smashed face illustrates like I got, I remember playing and I, you know, you get popped under the eye, you get popped in the nose. It's like, Okay, maybe maybe I'm just you know a little soft or something like. That. I am playing rugby. Maybe I'm a little soft. I'm done. Like I'm I'm not here to like you know rub some sure, dirt on it, it and, and that's, my, that's take fine. my smashed all face all back I'm in the game. All I'm saying is, I guess my point is, I feel like the act uh, or really the the act of receiving the punch in the mouth or the act of being the puncher, it's a little overrated. Like the I, okay, the effects of being punched in the mouth to begin with. And maybe I, I harp on this because, again, I think it's the expression, expression is so cliche and silly. It's not that bad. I, it, it just, the, the implication. Like, it's not something that's, that's going to make you just say, I can't pick it up and start competing again. What it's you not have, that bad. Right. No, what you have to separate here with the question is the sort of sports radio meaning of like, which is basically implying that they're soft, that they're, you know, girlies, that they're like little, like all these little you know, weakling things that like, that are stupid. Like this team is not. No, they're not a they, quote unquote finesse team. No, but they're, well, I, they, they, they are in certain ways and I'll get to that in a second, but they're not soft. They play hard. They don't give up on games. They get out and rebound. They play defense. They, do, they don't, they're not easily overwhelmed mentally. They try to dunk on like, every, every single right. opportunity they get. They right. will try to block every Right, they're exactly. Not, I'm I, they're a physical team. They they are in, I think, important ways. And then there are other ways where they're less physical because of the personnel. And we're going to get into that in a second. Sure, but, but that's not being soft. That's not having the dudes for a particular matchup. Right. There's a difference. Sure. And so, I like that part of it, like that, if that's what you're talking about when you say like, Lakers don't, like, no, that's not true. They, they don't give up. Like, all that stuff's not true. What I think is revealing about the Boston game 
when you start to tie it to uh you know Toronto when you start to tie it to um you know the Clippers I think are a good example some of the games that they've lost Milwaukee the, the types of teams that can give them trouble and you know Pete Zayas who writes for us at the Athletic and is just a really smart dude made and this Pete point. by the way was a big big uh proponent and impetus in the whole punched in the mouth conversation yes to begin with he is but i saw because tom, tom ziller uh, you know who, uh, formerly of sb nation and now of the uh good morning basketball newsletter which everybody should subscribe to yeah ziller's good stuff um you know he made you know he brought this up too and his i'm mean, independently of each other i'm sure because it's a bit of a theme like what happens you know they, they got kind of rolled initially in milwaukee the, you know the clippers didn't I think people look back on that first game, especially and think, "Oh, the Clippers rolled." The, no, they didn't. The Lakers were winning that game in the fourth quarter, but did kind of get rolled on Christmas. Um, you know, Lakers stayed in it, but the Clippers controlled that game. Teams with large physical wings give the Lakers trouble. Athletic teams that can, you know, bouncy athletic teams like the Magic, who are really active and really long and really athletic can give the Lakers trouble because it exposes weaknesses in the roster, particularly as it was in Boston when the stars don't play well. Because Davis was back on the floor, but didn't do anything. No, he was rusty. Uh, he got an early foul trouble. Frank Vogel actually said after the game that he, he thinks he made a mistake not letting Davis play through that second foul mm -hmm. and just and just get a rhythm going. Right. And he thought Davis ended up disjointed for the rest of the game. Right. Because but, but because he's back in the lineup, everybody sort of feels like, well, we got to get him going. Like he's been, yeah. And so that, I think, had an impact. LeBron wasn't great. He had, you know, I think 13 assists or whatever it was. He wasn't terrible, but he, you know, offensively was not great. And the role players that were awesome in Houston, you know, you had KCP, 20 points, and Danny Green had 20 points, and Kuz had 23. Those guys weren't nearly as effective in Boston. And so, like, if all of those things are going to happen, the Lakers aren't going to win and they're not even going to come close. But these are the types of teams that give them trouble. And I thought the, the point that Ziller made this morning in his newsletter, which I think sums it up well and kind of gets it out of the, the cliche, Andy, is that the Lakers are very, very good. They've been the most consistent team in the Western Conference. I think that is true. Both of those things. They don't, teams aren't afraid of them. Like certain teams play in a certain way that in one form or another, physically they bully people. The, I think the Warriors were mentally an intimidating team because you just like all, you playing well, playing well, all of a sudden two minutes go by and you're down by 14 because they just like mentally they were intimidating. I don't think the Lakers scare anyone. Like they don't, none of these other teams that are chasing them are frightened or intimidated by the prospect of the Lakers. That, that may be. I mean, and I understand where Tom's coming from. My, my counter to that would be, is there a scary team in the league? No, but I think it's something that is when, you know, when you're a Lakers fan and you're trying to sort of figure out how good the team is, the psychology of, you know, are you a step above or step better than these other teams? I think is is an element of that, and this is something well, that I, this well, Lakers team thing, is not going to have. I do think that there are a lot of teams around the league that might be able to rationalize the idea that the Lakers have been better than them this season, but I don't know if that's necessarily the same thing as being intimidated by them. But you get into the playoffs, the prospect of facing LeBron James and Anthony Davis over a seven-game series 
for the majority of these teams, if not intimidating, if that's the word you're going to use, it's going to it's going to seem daunting. That's going uh, to see, no. See, actually, you know, like I don't think the Clippers. I think I, mean, I said the majority of right, these teams, but the, but the teams that matter. I mean, the, do I do I think Utah is going to be mentally intimidated at the prospect? Maybe only, but particularly, I think, how many more times do the Lakers play Utah? Is it one or two? I don't. Know. They've already two at the most. They've two at the twice. most, right? So, so like this is this is I think where you could start to make the argument that these head-to-head matchups become important. Like the the Lakers can if the Lakers whether it's one more win, two more wins on it. If look it up, go into that and they've won every game against Utah. Particularly if they meet again when Utah is really playing well because they're officially now doing what we thought they might do at the beginning of the year. Yeah, and Utah every year gets off to a slow start and then always gets hot. You know the Clippers. I don't think it, I don't I don't think I think there's a zero percent chance the Clippers go in and thinking anything I, about sure, that but series I, is done. I, I guess here's what here's where I don't disagree with Ziller on this. I just don't know if it matters. That's, a, that's because fair. I, because I don't think there's a team across the league. There isn't. If for no other reason than the league this year is so much different, like everybody's mm-hmm. unestablished. The Raptors are the defending champions, but they're not the same team as last year. I don't think there's a team in the league. That intimidates anybody. No, but I, I think his point, and I think certainly a point, is that there often is. Sure, it's not that it's not that the Lakers have something that other don't have something that every other team has. It's that there is that element often to a championship caliber team. You know, when the Lakers, you know, the Shaq Kobe Lakers were rolling, it was like. But I, th- I here's what I would that, here's again. You understand, I, again, it's not that the Lakers are missing no, no, something I that other teams that, have. But, but again, where where I would disagree again, and Tom, I don't disagree with Tom's point that the Lakers don't right now intimidate. They don't intimidate the rest of the league. I think it is very difficult to be that team unless you've won a championship. Maybe like like unless you've established your credentials. I don't remember the last time a team became that team. Having at minimum not been to the finals before, maybe, but really without winning a championship. No, that, that's that. That very well may be true. I just I, I found that to be I, I, that to me is a better. I mean, distal- maybe they, maybe the Heat like maybe. like before you actually played the Heat, you know, before they got off to a nine and eight start, like, but like once it got, well, like, you know, I think even then you like you realize, okay, as sort of intellectually, basketball wise, you're sort of like, okay, when this thing, if this thing ever gets going, we're screwed. Like, and it it turned out, you know, teams like San Antonio weren't intimidated, you know, you know whatever, but. You know, Dallas certainly wasn't. I, I just, it, it, to me, it's just a better, it's a better illustration and gets at the very least gets it out of that space where you're just talking about, are we going to sit here and like debate whether or not these Lakers are soft? Like, no, they're not. Um, but these, the, the exposure to the types of teams that can give them trouble and these elements starts to point to when you think about what the Lakers need to do, going this, you know, gets into some of the rumors, whether it's Kyle Kuzma, and we we didn't mention this at the top, but like, you know, the D Rose stuff. Where do you what do you need to go pick up? Do you, is it does it put a bigger priority instead of trading for Derrick Rose to solve some of that secondary scoring and ball handling? He's played very well for Detroit this year. Does it put more of a priority on going out and getting a wing? Like a big wing. Well, I mean, look, this is have that guy. I was going to say this is something I have harped on, Brian. You know, going back to the off season, much less once we saw how the games were playing out. The Lakers are strangely constructed in that they do not have a true both sides of the ball small forward in terms of that's how that guy functions first and foremost. Like Danny Green is 
he's really a two masquerading as a three oftentimes. Right, he can guard Same, threes, but right, he's not going to guard but it's not you know, what he big, does. strong right. threes KCP effectively. is their backup three right now by necessity, and he's playing really well, but he is really undersized in terms of pure size as a three. Kyle Kuzma just doesn't function well as a wing. I mean, it would be great if he did, but he doesn't. LeBron, you know, could be that guy, but you have to pick your spots in terms of how you would weaponize him in those type of matchups. And everybody, he's the only guy. He's right. The only, I was he's the only wing defender they have with bulk. Right. And and everybody else that you would even bring up as like a you know a change of pace possibility, like a like an Alex Caruso and Avery Bradley, they're undersized. They'll they'll fight like hell. But the, if the Lakers picked up Andre Iguodala off the buyout market. He would be a brand new feature on this team, mm-hmm. just in the sense that yep. he is a true small forward, and and you know with physicality. Mm-hmm. But like the Lakers don't have anybody. It's it's in part I think a function of the way they were built in a lot of ways with the type of size that zigs when everyone else is zagging. But also too, it's just I mean it was also a function of like who was left. Whether they they had to wait so long to put the team together, yeah, that they were just kind of choosing between like you couldn't fill every hole like they made certain priorities obvious um, i mean their number one priority was that guy he went to the clippers right and and you know but in trying to fill out the rest of the roster they did the best they could and you know it's worked out pretty well but this is what this is what i was talking about before when we were sort of briefly debated that like are you know the finesse part of it and here's what i mean by that not that the lakers don't play physically but they have an incredible amount of length and they have a ton of size down low and you know lebron and AD and Dwight and JaVale. And JaVale. I mean, these are big, long dudes. And, and Dwight plays a very physical style. LeBron plays a very physical style when he's, you know, fully engaged. AD is a less physical defender, but is obviously everywhere. And JaVale is similar in that regard, too. It's just everywhere when he's really locked in. When you start talking about like how they have to defend everywhere else, it's less about bulk it's less about size it's more about quickness rotation length guys with long arms dudes filling passing lanes and making it hard to do it and then offensively um you know ad you know lebron will go through you um but ad isn't that kind of guy i'm not saying he's i'm not he's not a he's not soft but he's he is a more finesse player as a big than Andre Drummond, Andre Dr- Joe L. Embiid. Okay, you know that's that's all I mean. Sure, like they are a finesse team in certain ways, and and they're not they're not the quickest and fastest team either. And so these you know jumpy, leapy, you know hyper athletic Orlando type teams that aren't necessarily really good can give them trouble. Um, but back to the you know go back to the D Rose thing. What do you prioritize? Like, would you would you because the the Rose rumors are out there. It would presumably cost you Kuzma. Yeah, it was being reported by uh, Chris Haynes of Yahoo that the Lakers have explored the idea of trading for Derrick Rose. He definitely fills a need, and but that's your that's using that Kuzma chip versus say signing Collison and trying to roll Kuzma into something else. But you don't know if you first of all you don't know for sure if you can get Collison. Think you can, but you don't know. Presumably, maybe you would by then. And you also don't know well, what else I mean. Look, get by now, they, if the Lakers don't have at least a decent idea of whether or not they can get Collison, they're just not doing their homework because he's a free agent. They, they right. can do all the communication that they want. 
what would you prioritize there? Like, how would you use that? Because they're like, the secondary ball handler thing is massive because they are, we saw what happened when LeBron doesn't play well, it's hard for them to win. When LeBron and AD really don't, like, they got through the AD stuff because LeBron was- We've talked about right. this before. The, the, the Lakers obviously are hurting without Anthony Davis, but functionally, they don't change nearly as much. They just have to execute and play better to offset the, the absence of Anthony Davis. Else. Right. right. And, and you know, they, they've got to be hyper aware of all their defensive rotations. Uh, uh, Frank Vogel has talked about before, I've actually asked him you know, about defensively what you try to do. And he said it really becomes more about you know, the individual matchups and like, you know, the idea of not having somebody like Anthony Davis that can just guard anybody or be anywhere you need him to be. But they are in a lot of ways functionally the same team. Mm -hmm. Without LeBron, they are flat out dysfunctional. Or LeBron not at a high level. Like right. he wasn't not at a high they, level in Boston. They were they were built by design for LeBron to run everything. So Derek Rose helps in that regard. Yeah. Uh Nick Nick Collison. I keep wanting to say. You yeah. do. He's a really great locker room guy. Darren Collison, um definitely feel you know, assuming he is in shape and comes in and plays like he has in years past fills that like a really important need but you start to when you start to project to the playoffs when lebron's going to play 40 minutes and i just the problem with that big wing which they're going to be short on no matter i i you know unless they can find it i don't know who's out there who qualifies you're not going to get robert covington he'd be perfect but it doesn't seem like minnesota minnesota said they're not trading him that could change. Hey, I mean, it could change, but whenever if you go out there and say it, you are at least you're at least putting it out there. I mean, to put it out there publicly usually says something. I mean, again, things are fluid, and you know, when, once they trade Robert Covington, they you know they don't have to apologize to him. But like, well, it's just because he's he's a good player signed to such a team friendly sure, deal and all it, that stuff, right? But I, I'm just saying, like, they, they once. Once they trade the guy, they don't owe him anything. So, I mean, you know, they, they're not under oath when they say this stuff. But the problem with somebody like Iguodala is it's going to be exceptionally hard to trade for him. So you really, if you're planning for Iguodala, you really have to be counting on no other teams being able to get their shit together well enough to make a deal for Memphis, who has no reason not to make... Oh, Memphis, by equal. the way... Might just want to be like, look, sorry, man, we're 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 contending for a playoffs. So we, you know, maybe they try to convince him to play in the first round. Right, but I don't know if it'll work. I, I, you know, but if they trade him somewhere else, I, I honestly, I feel like at this point, if you're Memphis, you need to trade him because if I'm if I'm Andre Iguodala and you're asking me to just step up in in like mid February, it's gonna be a part of me that's gonna be like bleep you, man. Like really, like I, I, I it would be strange. I think it'd be very. No, I understand. Odd. I understand what you're saying. It would be awkward, you know, trying to fit him into something that I mean, it becomes. He's a kind real, of but he's a really hard guy to to squeeze in. Like, how do you get him? Right. And it's short of that, I just I don't know who. The, and I to me, it just says like, look, the Lakers are are a, they're a great team, and Lakers fans want them to be kind of bulletproof, but they're not. They have certain vulnerabilities, some of which can be addressed, many of which won't. And when it comes down to it. Their playoff hopes are how good is LeBron? Is, can LeBron elevate? Like he talks about, what does that mean? What does AD do in the playoffs? And can you get enough from these other guys um, to, to offset some of the weekend? They, they, 
people talk people think about it like when you talk about the weaknesses of one team as if the Lakers don't present problems for another. They're so long and they're so active and the defense is so good and they have LeBron James and Anthony Davis. It's not like you know, a, a team like the Clippers just because they can throw Kawhi at them and Paul George get to roll they're gonna roll him over. I, I don't buy that. They've won the first two games and we'll learn a little bit more over the last two, but I, I think that's a seven-game series, no matter you know what happens. The Lakers have a lot they can do to the Clippers. Yeah. And Utah and Denver and everyone else. But they're the Lakers are not we're, we're, a perfect team. I was gonna say, and we and we are seeing that, you know, and again, this was something that stuck out to me when when you know when the, the dust settled on their roster, you know, that that the the absence of that true three was something that stuck out to me from the beginning. So, you know, I, I would like to think it didn't sneak up on them, but in either way, we've seen that this is something that they don't really have the ability in-house to offset. Like, let me ask you this, like, and this is just, I, this is just a hypothetical that just popped into my head. Sure. If the Lakers were able to trade Danny Green to the Knicks for Marcus Morris, would you do that? He's a much bigger, more physical he's a bigger, wing more physical than Danny Green. Wing. He's not his playoff season. Not his playoff season. Not as, I think, he's not a bad shooter. No, this year he's been good. He's, he's been, been good. really good this year. I think he's actually this year on the season he's shooting so, better I, than Green. I don't, defensively, I don't. He's a good defender. He's okay, right? I, don't, I, don't, I honestly I have to look some of that stuff up. It's so hard to tell I me. Mean, good, bad defender playing for the Knicks in the. Plays on some lousy teams. No, but he's been good before, though. He has. No, I'm just saying. But my instinct is no. Okay. But the reason I bring up him is if it's not Marcus Morris specifically, if there's a wing out there making Danny Green type of money, and Danny Green was somebody that they brought in specifically for the playoffs, and Green this year, he's defensively been good. He's, you know, the shooting has come and gone, but I'm, I'm not concerned about it. All in all, I think Danny Green has been a plus for the team. But that matchup that we're talking about right here that clearly is causing repeat problems for the Lakers, I don't know if he can solve. Correct. And let like go back to Covington. Would I trade Danny Green for Robert Covington in a heartbeat? The Wolves won't do that. But like I You understand I, what I'm asking? A, like it's an interesting No, it's question. an interesting right. I mean, like, would you swap out a guy? I mean, I, my my fear about Green coming into the season was he'd look a little bit more like Morris, by the way, is averaging 45% from behind the arc this year. Almost 46. Right, which is, what, what's a career? What is he? I know he's, I mean, he's a good three-point shooter. 37. Right, so this is a little above water. Oh, it is above water. Um, and he, but The last been, few years, he's been around he's not, but he's, he's, he's not a multi-dimensional guy, but he does stretch the floor effectively. He's a bigger player. Yeah. And, you know, his defensive, uh, some of his defensive numbers on the Knicks are awful, but you have to take a I, little bit of that with a grain of salt. Right. And, I, you know, Derek Rose is the same kind of thing. It's like he's never been a particularly good defender, but you drop anybody into this context. Right. And they're, I feel like if nothing else, try. Marcus There's, Morris would be adequate. But again, if it's not Marcus Morris, you, you understand the question I do. I'm asking no, it's like, which, what, what's more valuable? Right. right. What's more valuable? And can it, with this particular problem, could you end up in a situation where the Lakers maybe trade for a player? that on balance might not be as good as the one that they're receiving, but the one they're receiving addresses that particular well, matchup. I think, I think you can make an argument with that with almost, I'm not saying I would agree with it necessarily depending on what the return is, but almost any trade of Kuzma. 
where, you know, some people at the very least, I happen to think, you know, the hypothetical Bogdanovich trade to Sacramento, for I think Bogdanovich is a better player, but other people don't. Um, and there are a lot of situations where you might end up trading Kuz and Kuz goes somewhere else and he blows up and puts up better numbers and all this other stuff than whoever the Lakers get back in return. But like you say, that person fills a need more. I, I think that... To, I think they can help at the margins. I think they can sign Collison, which makes a big difference. I think they can. I, I, I just don't see this. Is not a season, and I've never been good at this. And you know, I could very obviously be wrong, Andy. I, it just doesn't feel like a season where there's a lot of help out there. You know, the Lakers have a lot of trouble generating it based on the roster, and there just isn't a lot out there to go. Get. Especially because there's so many teams that Correct. you can make the argument would be buyers and not sellers. There are f- still seven teams. You know, There's one team in the Western Conference that cannot make the playoffs. One. And in the Eastern Conference, it's a couple. Like Everybody's still in it enough. And now with the, the weighted lottery and all this, uh, it's just like the, there, is, there is strong incentive for teams to try to get a playoff run or whatever because it, honestly, and then in the end, if you're just like um... You know, in the end, if you're just, you know, eleventh versus ninth, it's not a good draft. People say, and all that. I just, it, 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 there's not a lot of help out there. No, it's Darren Collison and maybe a couple buyout guys or whatever. But the buyout guys aren't going to be that good. So um, I want to talk about this LeBron thing because I know you put it on the list and it, it's interesting. LeBron, uh, if you missed the news, went to see uh, Bronny play. In Springfield. Yes. Springfield, uh, Massachusetts. Um, near Boston. The, line, the schedule's kind of lined up again where he could go see his kid play in a really special environment, you know, and, and, and go do that. And he did. And he interrupted his game day routine, you know, all this kind of stuff. And he did not have a, he wasn't terrible. He didn't have a good game. No. Um, he was not the reason that they lost, but he was also not the reason that you wondered if they could make a comeback. So he was asked about that afterwards and said this last question are you concerned about because of you know, game day getting back and forth to the game in Springfield what I concern yeah just timing wise and all that stuff it's a game day you know I know you respect that yeah but I'll break every routine in my life for my family gotcha I'm listen if, if the, the guys is with me they're gonna make sure I get back safe but um my routine was broke today but I can care less about it if I'm seeing my family, my wife, my daughter, my kids. So, you know, it's a unique opportunity for me to see my son live play uh, that close uh, to where I'm at. So, you know, I, I can care less about about this. This right here is all secondary when it comes to my family. So nothing else matters. Okay, so I know you thought this was an, an interesting response to this question of sort of family first. Yeah. I mean, and I want to preface all this by saying LeBron is not the reason the Lakers lost. LeBron going to watch Bronny play is not the reason that they lost. I'm not putting this at LeBron's feet. And LeBron has been really dialed in and invested with this team as a leader this season. I've been praising him all season, whether on this podcast or in writing with The Athletic, on air at ESPN LA 710. And I think it's important to bring that up because the idea of LeBron in a game where he did not seem overall that engaged, 
that's been an outlier this season. Right. It's also, you know, it's causation, correlation. Sure. I think LeBron was probably trying. Even LeBron has off nights. And Absolutely. also LeBron's effectiveness is dictated in part by the other guys right, too. Right, right. I say all this just because I want to make sure people understand that's not the conversation. You're not saying LeBron at. didn't have a, LeBron had a bad game because he went to see Bronny in Springfield. Right. But he did say though, that it did interrupt his routine. And most of these guys are very much creatures of habit. If I would imagine there was some degree of effect on this, but that's not even what I'm looking to talk about. What I think is interesting about it, though, is the idea of this right here, this being basketball, is secondary to when it comes to my family. And that feels to me in this particular context like a bit of a dodge, just in the sense that, by and large, when this stuff gets talked about, you're talking about, you know, my family comes first when you have to prioritize things between work and, and family. Like, you know, and this is just a pure hypothetical and I'm very happy it's not the actual case, but like if Bronny was sick and needed to be in the hospital and you miss a game for something like that, or if there's some like truly big event going on in Bronny's life or any, any of his children's life, his wife's life, something like sure. that, where you have to really start figuring out, okay, how do I prioritize these things in the big picture of what really matters in my life? LeBron playing, I mean, LeBron watching, I think, Bronny play in a high school game doesn't rise to that level. Oh, there's no, it's not a family emergency. Right. It's something you want to go do. Right. And it's a decision that LeBron made in terms of just juggling his professional and personal life. And, you know, if you, it's LeBron saying, at least when he makes this decision, I can do both without it affecting me. And I just think it's interesting that in putting it out there, like the idea of, you know, like, what's well, I mean, I, I, I mean, I'm never going to, it sounds never, to me, it sounds to me, and you're not, like you're saying that it had an effect on, it was a very well, could have had it, an effect on how he played. I think it may have had an effect on how he played, but I also, I guess what, what I find interesting about it. It, and I, and I know you're trying to like not blame it on, but right, like, but it, I also ha you're, you're I also, also sounds like you're saying it may have affected his. I think it may have affected him, but also I, I think there's a certain amount of onus that you need to take for. It could have affected me in this game, and I need to make sure that that doesn't happen. As opposed to, you know what, it may have affected me, but at the end of the day, my family comes first, because this isn't something that you really had to do. This is something you chose to right, do. So I mean. It, it, I, not, is this, I'm not saying you're calling him a bad father I mean, or a bad, uh, a, a bad employee or whatever. But you're, you're, you're questioning to some degree, questioning is the placement of his priorities, um, or the judgment of it. If the judgment, else. The, right. the judgment so, in his ability, the judgment to of whether or not them. he's, you know, with, you know, and what I and I, I think there, it's impossible to know how he would have played if he. I think it's certainly reasonable to think that might have had an effect on how he played. Um. What I think is is fascinating about it too is two things. First, the um, just to to put a pin on it from my side, just to make sure it's hopefully as clear as possible. It seemed to me like LeBron was saying, "Yeah, this this may have affected me, but I, I just don't care." Don't care. Right, and it, I, I think well, I actually I don't know if he would cop to the part about it's like this may have affected. He's being me. vague about it, if nothing else. He, right. he, was, I, I, he didn't say that it didn't affect him. He said that it he's it said that it messed up his routine. He never clarified whether that mattered or not. He just said he didn't care. Right. And I don't know if the question was asked him, do you think you played 
No, it was not. Lost, right? it, w- it was not. And to which I think he would have said no. Sure. Um, what's fascinating to me about it, though, is it reflects two things. First of all, just the way that this is different now than it used to be, whether it's go see the birth of your child or the, um, all this stuff that athletes used to skip, which quite frankly, they shouldn't have. I mean, no, they like, should Go have. see the birth of your child. Like, and teams should let them Absolutely. Go. It's also a flex. And it's a, it's a reflection of LeBron understanding the position that he holds and the power. The Lakers aren't going to say no. Right. Um, and, and that, and I, and I, and I do think it cuts the other way where the Lakers, whether they let Anthony Davis go see that game in Green Bay, whether they would let, you know, Contavious Caldwell Pope go you know, watch his daughter in a- We've seen a, that they will make concessions for Contavious Caldwell Pope. Well, sure. But I, I, but that's, those are legal things. I mean, like you go back last year. They made like, large They did, but they also knew that. that they'd have to do that when they signed him. Sure. But they I'm knew just that saying- that was coming. They, it's not like they, you know, they absolutely knew what they were going to have to do when his no, sentence I, I, came all, I, I'm not- I'm not uh, mocking them right, for but that's, it or that's not criticizing for it. I'm, that's different. I, I, I do think that's, I don't want to I don't know. I don't, I mean, I don't, if you I don't go back to some of the reporting on that, there were some players that But they, the, Lakers either, the Lakers either had to let him not travel outside the state of California or not. Like they were, he's not on the team. Like this is an elective. Like you just said, that okay. was not an elective for okay. KCP. All right. They, you know, as a, an organization, are you better off, even if in the back of your head, you're Rob Palenka, you're Jeannie Buss going, I really prefer, I mean, I look, they all, we all have kids. We all have things that we skip. We all have things. I would prefer he not do this, but you have to treat your players, your star players like grownups and let them go do that. And, and with, the, uh, with the belief that LeBron can do both of these things and be responsible enough to handle his body, handle his routine sure. and all this stuff. That is the correct answer to that from an organizational standpoint. I don't disagree. I think it just, you know, and and then I think there's an interesting debate there too about long-term, big picture, the totality of a season. Are you better off as a player and an athlete or whatever you know, even if it means uh, it might be a little bit less for this game, but I know that I will be sustained. Like just my my mental energy, all these things is better for me throughout the year by making these little things that, let's say, I gave up seven percent of my potential performance in this game. I'm just making up a number. He would say it's zero, but let's just say there's a number attached to it. What what is on balance over an 82 game season better for me as a player? Um. 15 years ago, 20 years ago, 25 years ago, wouldn't have even been allowed to ask the question. And so that to me is what's kind of fascinating about the whole deal. And I just, you know, in, in terms of thinking about LeBron and thinking about, you know, what, what's going on and all that kind of stuff, um, that's what really got my attention. I, I think your question is an interesting one. Like, so you don't want to like, it is important to understand what people's priorities need to be, like in the real world. Just, I need to say this out loud. Uh, there's an uh, electrical issue going on in the studio we're in right now. We're going to have to wrap this quickly or my computer may die. Right, but it is also worth pointing out that we're the only people currently in this space that are able to keep working because we're not relying on their electricity. Absolutely. Um, 
it it's 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 just it's it's a debate that wouldn't yeah, have happened. I mean, and years again, ago. I I don't I understand you're you I, don't I just criticize feel like, right. I feel it's a like weird place to get into. It's a weird and again, LeBron has been terrific he's with this the, team. I feel like he's sort of earned the no, right to be able to he's earned the right to do all this. Right. And again, this season his leadership has been fantastic, which is why I want to make sure I I mean I'm not trying to pillory for him for doing this, but I do think that there was a certain eh, it looks like the electricity's back. back. Um there's a certain I there's I, a certain level like, of criticism I, in there. You, well, but I also feel it's not even so much the criticism for the decision. It's the criticism afterward to me for what felt like a lack of onus of, you know what, it may have affected things or at the very least, I, I just need to make sure that it doesn't because it sounded like the way he was phrasing this. And again, this may have been just the way the question was phrased to him or him just talking off the top of his head. It, it felt like a, you know what, if the routine got to me, you know, this stuff comes first with my family. And the truth is, we all have, we all Everybody don't get makes to do that. The view this life right. means concessions. And, you know, I mean, you're not, you're not going to be able to get to see everything. That's just the way life works. Yeah. I mean, like, it's a fair criticism. I mean, everybody else in your, you know, this, the training staff, all these other people, I think, I mean, look, and I don't know this for sure. There are, might be times when, you know, an assistant coach, a trainer, a, you know, player development guy says, look, my kids are doing this. Can I run off here and do this real quick? I'll be back. I might miss. Sure. And they probably say yes. Right. But I just, it's, it was just the, the fact, but the, the difference it, it is felt a little, they wouldn't say no with LeBron. Right. And also just to be honest, it felt a little bit at the end, like he was using his family as a shield as opposed, as opposed to just taking a little bit of responsibility for the idea of, I still, I still there was a lacking responsibility of the idea of I still have a responsibility towards. If my you team. assume that he believes that, wow, this interruption in my routine, I didn't play as well because of it. It felt which I actually don't think he would concede. I don't know if he would concede it or not. He might believe. Don't. He might, in the back of his mind, believe it. he wouldn't concede it, but that doesn't mean right. But he, but he could concede the responsibility that he still has towards his team without conceding any effect. You can do that. I understand what you're saying, but it's, it, this is a, this again, is a thoroughly modern superstar. Right. And, and again, LeBron, LeBron's leadership this year has been fantastic. I understand so I don't, don't want to make this into no, a bigger it's not, thing. It's than not it a big deal. Is. And it's not the reason they lost the game. No, it clearly isn't. Um, but anyway, so there are a lot, still a lot to cover. I'm going to, I think we're going to, let's save the, uh, Pelicans conversation because there's a larger sort of, uh, eight, so depending, especially if the Lakers finish up this road trip effectively, there's a larger eight seed conversation. I think that will certainly hold until. Uh, the next time we record. Um, but uh, anyway, so the Lakers got three more games left in this uh, road trip, Wednesday, Thursday, and Saturday. Uh, two of the three, they certainly should win, both New York teams and then a uh, Philly team without Joel Embiid, certainly vulnerable there as well. I don't know. But I, lately, watch out for uh, Lately, ben they've Simmons. been more vulnerable if Embiid comes back. That's true. But watch out for Ben Simmons. Um, and we will see everybody next time. Again, subscribe, rate, and review. And if you haven't already subscribed to The Athletic, Take care of that. That's right. Worth right. your time. Thanks a lot.